Because man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, please open your Bible to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's a pew Bible like this in the chair in front of you. And if you grab that, you can turn to um, page 472. Page 472, we're going to look at Psalm 1. I'm going to read Psalm 1 and 2, but um, we're going to need to pray (laughs) because we're going to need God's help. I'm going to need God's help, and you're going to need it more (laughs) because we're going to go through Psalms 1 through 150. We're doing all all 150 Psalms in um, in one shot, hopefully in one shot. That's the plan, so... Um, But we'll open with Psalm 1 and 2, and then ask the Lord for lots of mercy and grace. You poor people. (laughs) All right, Psalm 1, here it is. How happy is the one, or how blessed is the one, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in Yahweh's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Psalm 2. We'll stop after Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers conspire together against the Lord, Yahweh, and his anointed one. Let's tear off their chains and throw their ropes off of us. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord ridicules them. Then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare Yahweh's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with an iron scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. So now, kings, be wise. Receive instruction, you judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Pay homage to the sun, or as the King James says, kiss the sun. Pay homage to the sun, or he will be angry and you will perish in your rebellion. For his anger may ignite at any moment. All who take refuge in him are happy, are blessed. Father, that's what we want to be. We want to be happy. We want to be blessed. We want to have our happiness go so deep in your glory and so wide in your greatness and goodness that, you're, that we experience your goodness all the days of our lives. That no matter whether we are angry or grieving or raging or lamenting or repenting or thanking or praising or expressing trust and hope in you, We pray that in all of these things, you would make us your happy people and that you would grow us, even through this book of Psalms, deeper in happiness in you. And so, Father, we ask this every Sunday, but today I feel it a little bit more than normal, though I probably should feel this all the time. We need your help. I need your help to preach your word clearly and helpfully to edify your people and to be edified and to even 
convert the lost. So help us, Lord, and help my brothers and sisters here, our church family, for they have not been reading through the Psalms every day this week, and so um, there's a temptation here or a, a, a possibility of me vomiting out information without um, it being helpful to people. So help our, our church family to process what you're teaching us from these Psalms. We can only do this by your Spirit's power, so help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. I know of one. You know that song? It's, what, what hymn is that? Blessed Assurance. I know one church um, that I was a part of in the past that didn't want to sing that song in the church gathering because they felt it was too pie in the sky. And I mean, you think about it. This is my story. This is my song, Praising My Savior. How often? All the day long. And you sing it again. And, and then um, the, the pastors would say, you know, if we sing the song in church, it's going to make people feel guilty. I mean, who praises God honestly every day, all day long? Who, who can sing that with honesty and integrity that that really is their lifestyle? And so they cut it out of their song list. And I'm not here to debate whether that should or shouldn't be on the song list. But, but it, it does reflect, that song does reflect the desire of every Christian. We want to live praising God all day, every day, don't we? We want to worship God. We want to treasure him. We want to pra- praise his greatness. We want to thank him. We want to honor him. All of our days, because he is good to us. That's our desire. The problem is, we have opponents. We have opposition. We got difficult circumstances. We have trials. We have other people and relational problems that people put pressure on us. And so it makes us hard with enemies and difficult circumstances to praise God all the day long. And not only is that a difficulty, um, we have sin within our own heart. So even if you just cut out all the negative circumstances and people, our own pride, as, even as Lance prayed, our own pride and our, our putting ourselves up in exalting ourselves over God, our, our own idolatry, makes it hard, actually blocks us from praising God all the day long. And sometimes, if we're honest, like we learned last week from the book of Ruth, it even seems like sometimes God is opposed to us. Like God is the one dealing bitterly with us, as Naomi said last week, in the book of Ruth. And so how do we praise God with all of this opposition in our lives? Will we, are we doomed to just try our best and fake it most of the time? Is that really all we're left with? Just a fake happiness and to fake praise? Are we doomed to hypocrisy and half-hearted worship the rest of our days because of this opposition from outside and from within? We don't have to be. We can grow. God gave us the Psalter. That's the authors of the Psalms, this, this, this book of Psalms. He gave us this book, this collection of Psalms for our prayer and our praise Amen. so that we would pray to God and praise God. So here's the main goal of the Psalms. Okay, here's, my, here's how I would summarize the main idea of all 150 Psalms and the main, the main goal of the book. Pray and praise God. Pray and praise God and his king in the midst of opposition. Pray and praise God and his king in the midst of opposition. 
so that you live happy in God and his kingdom. Okay? I'll say that a few more times. Pray and praise God and his king in the midst of opposition. In this world, this broken world, and opposition here, opposition out there, sometimes feeling like opposition up there. Pray and praise God in the midst of opposition that you, so that you live happy. That's Psalm 1 and 2, the happy person. So that you live happy in God and his coming kingdom. His kingdom or his coming kingdom. I think that's the main idea of the Psalms. I'll say it one more time. Pray and praise God and his king in the midst of opposition so that you live happy in God and his coming kingdom. So, so the main goal, and we know this from the Psalms, we need to pray to God. We need to praise God no matter what we're feeling, no matter what we're going through. There's a prayer to be prayed. As Paul said, pray without ceasing. So we can praise God all day. We can pray without ceasing. That's what we need to do. So Psalms is going to help us to pray and praise God in the midst of difficult circumstances in three ways. We need to pray and praise with focus. That's point number one. Pray and praise with focus. Pray and praise with the story. And pray and praise with emotion. Okay? Pray and praise God with focus. Pray and praise God with the story. And that's going to be our big long point, number two. And then pray and praise God with emotion. All right. So let's look at the first one. Pray and praise God with focus. Now, I'm not going to read it again because we don't have time to go verse by verse through any of this. There's 150 Psalms. But let me just do Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. So point 1 is about Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. Psalm 1 tells us to focus on one thing. Psalm 2 tells us to focus on something else. And you actually realize that they're actually the same focus. Just two different ways of saying it. So in Psalm 1, what does the happy person focus on? He doesn't walk in the way of the wicked or in the counsel of sinners or sit in a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in what? Yahweh's instruction, his Torah, his law covenant. Okay, so the books of Moses, which is not all law. It is law, but there's, it's instruction because there's praise and there's story and there's laws and there's all kinds of things there. So focus on God's word. Focus on God's word. So pray and praise with focus on God's word. And if you do that, you're like a tree planted by streams of water. You bear fruit and you will be with God in the judgment to come in the assembly of the righteous. If you don't do that, you, instead of meditating on God's word, if you focus on what other people say and what godless people say, then you will be like chaff that the wind blows away and in the end, your destiny will be cut off from God's people. Now, that's the first focus on God's word. What's the second focus though in, in Psalm 2? It's, it's God and his anointed. What's another word for anointed or the anointed one? Messiah. What's another word for Messiah. I hear some of you saying it. Say it. Somebody, say it out loud. It's okay to be wrong in this church. Community of grace. What? Okay, that's a good guess. Any other guesses? I heard it. Christ. Okay, Christ. Messiah, anointed one, Christ. Christ is the New Testament way of saying it. Messiah is a Hebrew way of saying it. Anointed one is what it, it is, someone who's anointed. So Psalm 2 is saying, take refuge. At the very end of Psalm 2, what does the happy person do? Psalm 2, verse 12. All who take refuge in who? In him. In who? In the, in the son, in the king, in the Messiah. If you focus on the Messiah and you take refuge in him, you're what? Psalm, Psalm 2.12, you're happy, right? So the happy person does two things. He focuses on God's word and he focuses on God's king, his Messiah king, his son. Remember, we talked about son here, not just as the God the son, but every king 
of every Davidic king was a son of God, and Israel was a son of God. So if you're going to read the Psalms, if you're going to pray and praise God, you need to pray and praise God with focus. Focus on God's word. Let God's word saturate your mind and inform you. And then let God's king, his Messiah, who in the Old Testament was David, in the New Testament, who's the ultimate Messiah king? Who is it? Jesus. So focus on God's word and focus on God's king as you pray and praise God in the midst of your opposition. Does that make sense? Yeah, are we okay there with Psalm 1 and 2? Okay, so that, that's what we want to do. Or to use Paul's words from Colossians 3.16, let the word of the Messiah dwell in you richly. Word, Messiah. Word, king. Let, let, all, let both of that, because the word is about the king, right? And so, um, you know, Charles Spurgeon famously said, I have a long quote here. I'm not going to read the long quote because we're short on time. I want to make sure we get through. But the long quote, he basically says, you know, John Bunyan, he was so saturated whenever he wrote anything. If you just pricked him, his blood would be bibline. Bibline. Like he just had so much Bible in his, in his heart and mind. It's like, it, like the Bible was in his blood. And so that's the idea of Psalm 1. Have so much of the Bible meditating on it. How often? Day and night. That it, it, it's just, it's the way you talk. It's the way you think. It's the way you act. It's the way you respond. And yet, if you know the Bible, Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify about me. So if you're going to focus on the Bible, the Bible's focus is on who? On Christ, the Messiah, the King. So pray and praise with focus. If you are, so Christians, read your Bible and pray focusing on Jesus. If you're not a Christian, let me tell you, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the main message of the Bible. I want to tell it to you now because look at Psalm 2. You guys are already there. What does God say about this king? Because they rebel against the king and God shatters them. The king shatters them in verse 9. But look at verse 10. What's God's word to the world? Christian or non-Christian, what's God's word to the world? Be wise, receive instruction, receive the law covenant that you should be meditating on. Serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Listen to verse 12, especially if you're a non-Christian friend here this morning. Pay homage to the son, or what? Or he'll be angry, and you will what? Perish in your rebellion. You have two options. You pay homage, or you perish. That's pretty strong. God is saying, if you don't pay homage to his king, his Messiah, Jesus Christ, that's ultimately Jesus Christ. In Psalm 2, it wasn't originally, it was pointing to Jesus Christ, but ultimately now we know, if you don't pay homage to Jesus the Messiah, God's son, if you don't, he, God, God sent him, to die for our sins because we're all sinners. And the reason why it's a bad thing that we're all sinners is we're all going to hell because God is holy and righteous. So God sends Jesus his son. He dies on the cross for our sins and God raises him from the dead, declaring him his son, his Messiah, his king in resurrection power. So that everyone here who repents from their sins and trusts in Jesus will be saved. So if you're not a Christian, you need to trust in Jesus and turn from your sins. You need to pay homage to the Son by resting in and taking refuge, it says here. Take refuge in the Son, and you will be saved. You'll be happy. He'll give you His Holy Spirit. He'll transform you, and He'll give you a place among God's people. Amen. So that's God's invitation to you. Repent from your sins and trust in Jesus. Okay, so the main idea of the Psalms, pray and praise God his king, and His King in the midst of opposition so that you live happy in God and His coming kingdom. All right, and we do that first by praying with focus on his word and on his king. Now, secondly, this is the big one, okay? Here's the big point, number two, longest one. Pray and praise God 
with, not just focus now, but with the story. Pray and praise God with the story. This is Psalms 3 through 150, okay? Psalms 3 through 150, pray and praise God with the story. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in the very top of book one, of Psalm 1 here, it says book 1. You see that? Book 1, or it might be there in your Bible, 1 through 41. Do you know how many books are in this altar? Four is a good guess. Five. There's five books, okay? Books 1 through 5. So 1 through 41, 42 through 72, 73 through 89, 90 through 106, 107 to 150. There are five books. They all end with praise or blessed be God, and may God bless his people Israel, something like that. Amen and amen. There's the, at the end of every one, at the end of 41, at the end of um, 72, at the end of 89, 106, and then 150 actually has five praise gods, like five psalms all dedicate to this, this crescendo of blessing God. And so they all end with hallelujah, praise the Lord, blessed be God, bless, may, and may he bless Israel, his people. So you have five books of psalms. When you think of five books, what do you think of in the Bible? Five books of Moses, right? The Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. And so is this a new five books of Moses? No, not quite. But some might say, well, it mirrors the five books in the sense that why is it five books? Because it's applying Moses' instruction to God's people in the Old Testament. So you get it from Moses' perspective. Well, what, if, what about the people? What were they thinking? What were they praying? What were they struggling with? If I could interview them, what were they going through? Well, you got the Psalms. You could hear their prayers. You could hear their thoughts. And so it's, it's the five books, in a sense, it's God's instruction applied to God's people. Okay, so you have five books here. And there's an there's a order to these five books. It doesn't just, that's why I say there's a, there's a story to this, but there's an order to it. In the beginning of book one, or in book one, there's, when you think of the Psalms, what do you think mostly of? What kind of prayers? Prayers of what? Praise. Prayers of praise. But you know that's not the most frequent psalm. It's prayers of lament and grieving and mourning. And in, in book one, there's way more prayers of lament, and there's like a few prayers of praise. And as it goes on, the prayers of lament lessen and lessen and lessen and lessen. And then in, in praise, praise starts small, but as you go through the five books, the praise grows and grows and grows. And so you have laments a lot, and it shrinks through the books, and you have praise growing through the books. So there's a flow. There's a flow to the book of Psalms. And if you, like me, read 150 Psalms in one week, 30 Psalms a day, then you would see the flow a lot clearer than if you just do what I normally have done is a Psalm a day or a Psalm every once in a while, you know, picking and choosing, which isn't bad. It's good to read it. But, but you see a storyline here. All right. So before I jump into the Psalms, 3 through 150, I need to tell you, you need to get the story of the Bible in two ways. You need the story of Israel and you need the story of David. So let's start with the story of David. Do you guys know the story of David? David was a young shepherd boy. He was anointed. What's an anointed one called? A what? A Messiah. He was anointed as a young shepherd boy. Anointed as king. But did he rule as king right away? No. He had to wait several years. So he was anointed as king, and yet he had to wait for his kingship to be established. Eventually, his kingship was established after he ran from Saul and had all kinds of opposition and trials and prayers. He, he was established as king. Now, as king, he ruled. And was his, rule, was, was his rule good? Generally, it was good. But did he have some black spots on his rule? Was it a shaky rule in some ways? 
Yeah, he committed adultery. Um, he, had, he, did, he murdered somebody. He didn't manage his children well. One of his sons wanted to kill him. You know, just a few things in his life going on. And, and that's the, the, so this is, that's David's life in his shaky reign. At the end, David die, or David's given a covenant before the shaky part starts. He's given a covenant that God will always have David's son rule on the throne. Then the shaky rule carries out, and then David dies. And he passes the kingship on to who? Solomon. Okay, that's the story of David. You guys got that? So anointing, kingship established, ruling, gives a covenant, shaky reign, dies Solomon. That's David's story. You need to know that story if you're going to read Psalms. Okay. Second story, though. You need a second story. The second story is the story of Israel. What's the story of Israel? Because David's story is in the middle of it. The story of Israel is God promised Abraham a holy nation who's going to bless all the nations of the world because we're all cursed. So Israel is redeemed out of Egypt. They're given a law covenant with Moses. They enter into the promised land, and they're supposed to display God's rule in the promised land. Do they do a good job or a bad job? Bad job, horrible job. They fail. And because they fail, what does God do? He punishes them and he exiles them. So you have the kingship established in the land, and then there's a decline of the kingship and the kingdom, and then the king and the kingdom is exiled, kicked out. And at the end, there's, well, God, what about your promise to Abraham? What, are your pro- what about your promise to Israel? What about your promise to David, God? Aren't you going to fulfill it? So at the end, God brings them back to the land, but they're waiting for restoration. Okay, that's the story of Israel. Redemption, enter the land, failure of testing, kicked out of the land, coming back to the land and waiting for full restoration. Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking with me on those two stories? You need those two stories because we're about to go through the Psalms. Okay. So now, with those two stories being told, there are five books of the Psalter, and the five books are telling the story of Israel and David. Book one is David's prayers as his kingdom and kingship is going to be established. In book two, David's kingship is established but it's shaky. So you have the prayer, Psalm 51, about adultery. You have it in there. That's in book two. In book three, and then at the very end of book two, it's handed over to Solomon. David dies, and he hands it over to Solomon at the end of book two, Psalm 72. In book three, in book three, the kingdom declines, and ultimately they are exiled, okay? In book four, you have the people praying in exile, and they're saying, do we have any hope? Well, even though we don't have a king on the throne and we're not in Jerusalem, you know who's our king? Yahweh's our king. So we still have hope because we have the king. So there's still hope in, the true, in, in, our, in God, our king. And then in book five, there's a, there's a looking forward to the restoration and a celebration of the restoration. Okay, so you have kingdom, the king, the, king, the anointed one, establishing his kingdom, ruling with a shaky rule, decline and exile in book three, book four, lament and hoping for the future with God as the king. And in book five, the restoration and celebration. You guys got that? Okay, we're going to look at them one book at a time. And here's what we're going to do for the next 25 minutes. I'm going to read, I'm going to basically pray the Psalms. But sometimes Psalms aren't prayed. Sometimes they're um, spoken. Sometimes it's a Psalm to people. So I did a one sentence summary or one or two sentence summary for each Psalm. And I did it like, like, um, like as if it was a prayer. So I'm going to try to let you feel each book. We'll, we'll pause at the end of each book, and I, wanted, I want you to just feel. And sometimes I'll tell you to turn a verse, but mostly I'm just going to read. Okay? I want you to feel and even pray. Imagine yourself here as an Israelite. You're not the king, 
but the king's going to do a lot of prayers. And so you're listening to the king's prayers because we're focusing on the king and the word, right? As, as Psalm 1 and 2, we focus on the king and the word. So here's the king's prayers. So you're God's people praying and you're taking refuge in this king. Okay, so, so listen to the prayers as we go through. So here's book one, the kingdom established. And most of these are David's prayers. So here, let's go. Psalm 3. Save me, your Messiah King, from my enemies and bless your happy people. Four, against mockers, shine your face, your joy, and your safety on us, on your Messiah King and his people. Five, hear me, your Messiah King, in your grace and guide me. Punish the evil and bless those who take refuge in you. Six, save me from death and tears. Depart from me, you evildoers, for I am the Messiah King. Seven, save me, God, save me, your Messiah King, but let me get, but let me get caught if I sinned. You are my shield and my judge. Eight, God, your magnificence shines throughout the earth and gets praise, especially in puny little humans that you made rulers of your work and your creation. Nine, I thank you, God, that you justly oppose my enemies among the nations. Be gracious to me and save me, your Messiah King, from their affliction. 10. God, why do you stand far off while oppressors prosper? Be gracious to me and save me from their affliction. I'm sorry, I, I, I skipped there. Why do you stand far off while oppressors prosper? Rise up and break their arms since you are a father to the fatherless. That's 10. 11, I take refuge in Yahweh against enemies. Yahweh sees from his holy temple, hates evildoers, and will judge them and show his face to the upright. 12, God help me, your Messiah King, from the lying and oppression of the wicked. 13, God, how long will you forget me, your Messiah King? Consider me and answer me. 14, evildoers are fools. Let Israel be restored. 15, here's a call to covenant faithfulness among God's people. Who can dwell with God? The godly person. 16, God, protect me, your Messiah King. You are my portion now and forever. 17, hear my just cause and protect me, your Messiah King, from my enemies. 18, Yahweh redeems his Messiah King and empowers him for victory. You see the kingship theme so far, right? 19, We know Psalm 19 is a favorite one. Your creation and your words speak to me, your Messiah King, so cleanse me and change me. Now, we normally think of it as God speaking the word to us, right? But it's the Messiah King praying that, and as we take refuge in who? The Messiah King. So he better know God's word if we're going to take refuge in him, right? So that's 19. There's a focus on God's word. 20, may Yahweh bless you in and through his anointed one, his Messiah King. That's God, Messiah talking to his people. 21, God is strong for his king and against his enemies. 22, God help me and, ab- and don't abandon me, your Messiah king, from my enemies or to my enemies. You answered and I will praise you and all the ethnic people groups will recognize your rule. 23, Yahweh, you, got, you know 23, but hear it in the Messiah king focus. Yahweh is my shepherd who guides, protects, and follows me, the Messiah king with his goodness. 24, the king of glory owns it all and allows the cleansed to dwell with him. 
25. The king meditates on Yahweh's instruction and prays for forgiveness and redemption for all of Israel from her distresses. 26. God, vindicate the happy and vindicate your king. 27. Yahweh is my courage and my light. Let me, your Messiah king, dwell in your temple. Bless me and guide me. Everyone should wait on Yahweh. 28. You guys could say amen. These are all prayers, right? God, hear me and save me, your Messiah king and your people, and repay the wicked. 29. In his temple, worship Yahweh, who speaks powerfully and reigns graciously. 30. I will praise you, God, because though it is dark now, joy comes in the morning. Sing praises to him, you people. 31. God, make your face shine on me, your king, for I entrust my spirit to you. 32. What a great joy to confess my sins and have Yahweh forgive me and guide me, his Messiah king. 33. Praise Yahweh for his creation, covenant, and care as a happy nation. 34. Yahweh redeems the life of his servants, even King David in Philistia. So praise him and taste his goodness. 35. The king prays for deliverance from his enemies, leading to blessing for those who are on his side. 36. The wicked disregard God, but he is faithful, so bless your people and save your king. 37, listen to the Messiah King's instructions for the happy man against the wicked people. 38, God, help me, your king, for I have sinned against you. 39, we're only going to 41 for book one. Help me, your king, watch my life, rescue me from my sin, and hear my cry for help. 40, you hear me, your king, and you have revealed your will for me, and I will do it. Protect and deliver me so that all may be blessed. That's a really significant psalm. In Hebrew. It's quoted in Hebrews 10. John Lee preached through Hebrews 10. But Psalm 40 is very significant for understanding this altar. I don't have time, obviously, today to go into that. 41, prayer here. Be gracious and deliver your happy king from his betrayer. These are all the prayers of David. What is David praying? Help me, deliver me, forgive me. I got enemies, worship Yahweh. Do you see the king? He's anointed already. He's the Messiah, but he's not the king yet. He's, he's praying as he's going through these different trials and eventually his kingship is going to be established. You guys tracking there so far? So, so we're praying with the Messiah here, with the king. All right, book two, if the kingship was being established, now it's David's reign and it's a shaky reign. And then eventually trails off towards the end of, of book two, and it's going to be passed to Solomon. So pray with me, pray with the Psalms as we think through and pray through Psalm 42. In my distress, I thirst for God and tell my soul to put my hope in him because I will again praise him as the deer pants for the water. 43, vindicate me, O God, my refuge. Send your light and truth and bring me to your holy mountain. By the way, these are no longer prayers of David. The first half of this book is the prayers of God's people in light of the kingdom, okay? So now this is your prayers more, more so than the other ones where they were more David's. 44, you have redeemed us, and yet we are oppressed, though faithful to you. Redeem us. David's reigning, but it's not, it's not heaven. 45, you are God's Messiah, his king, and all the peoples will praise you. 46, God is our refuge and focus when the world is falling apart around us. Amen? Amen to that one. 
Praise Yahweh, 47. Praise Yahweh who reigns as king of the nations through our holy nation. 48. God the king is praised in his city and temple over all kings, and he leads us. 49. Meditate on Yahweh's instruction so that you don't foolishly envy the wealthy in the day of your trouble. Are you ever tempted to be envious of others? Meditate on Yahweh's instruction. 50. God judge God, or it's not a prayer, this one's to people. God the judge tells the upright to call on him and the wicked to wake up to who he is. So that's the prayers of the people. Now it goes back to David's prayers. Here's the Messiah King's prayers again, 51. And it starts now. This is the first one of David's in, in this book. And 51 is a famous one. We just sang it. Created me a what? A clean heart. So here's the prayer. Cleanse me, your Messiah King, and restore my joy, and I will teach others your way of grace. It's a shaky reign. He committed adultery. He murdered people. Later on, he's going to do another sin with a census in his shaky reign, and all of the people are going to suffer. There's going to be a three-day plague on Jerusalem because you're taking refuge in this anointed king, and he failed you? So the people suffer when the Messiah strays. So here's the prayer. Cleanse me. 52. Here's David again. Though you wicked people reject God and his Messiah, the Messiah will still flourish in God. 53, God will scatter the wicked who are opposed to the Messiah King and Israel and God. 54, God, save me, your Messiah King, from those who oppose me. 55, help me, God, your Messiah, help, God, help me, your Messiah King, against my friend who betrayed me. Anyone know of a story of a, a friend who betrays the Messiah King in the New Testament? It's picked up here. David, David had it first, and Jesus read this. He wasn't surprised. All right, moving on. 56. Deliver me, your Messiah King. I cannot fear man because I trust in you. 57. I call on you and praise you for delivering your Messiah King for your exaltation, God. 58. God, judge the unjust, not your Messiah's people. 59. Rescue me, your Messiah King, from Saul and from the nations who are betraying your anointed one, and I will sing your praises. 60. God, you have rejected us against our enemies. Save me, your Messiah King, and help us, and we will obey. 61, I call on you to protect and extend the life of your Messiah King, God. Please do it. 62, God, I, your Messiah King, find refuge in you and call people to trust in you. 63, one of my favorites. I, your Messiah King, seek and want you, and those who oppose me will end in ruin. 64, Protect me, your Messiah King, and shoot at those who shoot at me. Now, that's with bows and arrows back then, just so you're aware. Shoot at those who shoot at me. 65, the happy ones praise you as you bless us abundantly. That's like Psalm 1. 66, praise Yahweh for he has redeemed us. He has tested us. He has invited us, and he, has rede- and he redeems us personally. 67, may God bless all ethnic people groups. 68, God blesses and powerfully protects Israel for the nations. 69, this one's very important as well for David and for Jesus. Redeem me, your zealous Messiah King. This is where zeal for your house will consume me. Redeem me, your zealous Messiah King, from his enemies whom you should judge. 70, rescue me, your Messiah King. Shame his enemies and make glad your happy ones. 71, rescue me, now, hold on. So 71, 72 are the last two. I want you to turn here. 
I want to point something out here. Seven, turn to Psalm 71. If you're not tracking, turn to 71. Look at verse 9. Psalm 71, verse 9. Here's, remember, these are prayers. David's kingship is established, and it's a shaky reign. There's a lot of sin, and he's praying for a lot of help. But look at this kind of, this one is not a Davidic psalm, but it kind of has David's spirit in it. Look at verse 9. What's the prayer? Don't discard me in what? In my old age. As my strength fails, God, don't what? Don't abandon me, for my enemies talk about me. And then look at verse 18, or verse 17. God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still proclaim your wondrous works. Even while I am what? Old and gray, gray, God, do not abandon me while I proclaim your power to another generation. So what is this saying? As David gets old, as David gets old and fades from the scene, He's, if it's all about the Messiah King and he's getting old and he's fading away, what are we going to do, right? So Psalm 70, 71 is, rescue me, God, even in my old age from my enemies, for you have been faithful to me since childhood. And a lot of our older members here can testify that God has been faithful, right? Since childhood. But here's David praying that. And so David's about to die. He's getting old and dying. And so in Psalm 72, what does it say in Psalm 72, the very beginning? Before, you even, before verse 1. It says, of who? Or to who? To Solomon. Now, some, of the, some people think Solomon wrote this. I don't think Solomon wrote this. I think this is David to Solomon. It could be translated to Solomon. Why do I think this is David? Look at Psalm 72, verse 20. What does it say? The what? The prayers of who? Of David, son of Jesse, are concluded. So whose, whose prayers just concluded in Psalm 72? David. It's written to Solomon, not, it's written to Solomon about Solomon, but it's David to Solomon. So David's old, he's going to die, this is the end of book two, and so he writes to Solomon and he says, here's my summary of Psalm 72, please, um, God, please bless the, please bless my son, the Davidic king, and bless the people and the nations through him. Remember the covenant that God made with David, that he's going to have a king sit on the throne and all the nations will be blessed through that offspring? Here's David praying the Davidic covenant for his son as he dies. So that's Psalm 72. So you have book one, David's kingship. He's praying, 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 and his kingship is eventually established. In, in book two, he's reigning. It's a shaky reign. There's sin. He, he's obviously not the ideal king. He's getting old. He dies, and he passes it off to his son. You guys tracking with the story so far? You have to read the Psalms in the storyline to really grasp um, the, um, you know, the, um, a more, I guess, accurate or deeper is not the right word. Um, but yeah, I guess a more accurate understanding of the Psalms in their context. All right, what is book three about then? If David is gone, it's the decline and exile of David's house, okay? Psalm 73 to Psalm 89, you get a lot of prayers like this. How long, O Lord? Will you forget us forever? You get these prayers in this section. They're in other sections too, but you get it concentrated in the section because it's the decline and the exile of God's people in their failure. Okay, so here's the, um, Psalm 73 and Psalm 74. Keep your, I want you to look here still because Psalm 73 is one of my favorite psalms. But Psalm 73 is basically, I looked around at all these people who weren't Christian and I got jealous. Why are they prospering? And here am I worshiping you and I'm suffering. Ever feel that way? I think Psalm 73 relates to every true follower of God, Right? It's like, why am I suffering when these people are sinning and not caring about you and blaspheming your name and you're just letting them prosper? That's Psalm 73. That's the opposite of Psalm 
So here the wicked prosper and the, the happy ones are in ruin. What is that like? What's the, op- what's that, uh, the opposite of? Psalm what? Psalm 1, right? Psalm 1, the happy person prospers and the wicked are in ruin. But in Psalm 73, it's flipped. The wicked are prospering and the upright are in ruin. Okay, that's Psalm 73 in this decline and exile. Psalm 74, though, what does Psalm 74 say? Here's, here's my summary of Psalm 74. Remember us in exile under the nations and vindicate your name. Okay, get this. Remember us, your nation, in exile. We're under the nations. We're oppressed by the nations. So vindicate your name. What is Psalm 2 about? The king, and who does the king crush? Who does he shatter like pottery? The nations. The nations are shattered under the king, and the, the people of the Messiah, his nation, is exalted. But in Psalm 74, who's exalted? The nations. And who's the one who's shattered? God's people. So Psalm 73 is Psalm 1 flipped upside down. Psalm 74 is Psalm 2 flipped upside down. Why? Because this is the decline. The kingdom is fallen. They they have rejected the covenant. And so here is the judgment of God on his people as they pray. So pray and praise God even in this decline and exile. So let's go through the rest of them. Psalm 75. Thank you for judging the wicked. Here's the prayers to God. God, thank you for judging the wicked. 76. God, you end wars and you humble kings. So everyone should submit to you. 77. God, I cry to you in crisis because it seems like you've changed, God. But I'll remember your redemption, the Exodus redemption. 78. Here to the people of God. Meditate historically on our nation's failure, though redeemed, and realize that God will get us through. Remember our history. 79. God, avenge us against our oppressors who exiled us. Here's the exile. 79. Who exiled us in Babylon and rescue and redeem us and atone for us. 80. Though exiled, again, we're in exile. Though exiled, God, please restore us and bless us. You're happy people as we look to you as our king. 81. In the darkness, here's an encouraging one. Celebrate and sing. If only Israel listened to Yahweh's instruction. 82. Judge the earth for their injustice toward the oppressed. 83, stop Israel's enemies from wiping us out. 84, happiness is in you, your court, and your place. 85, return and restore us, your happy people, from your judgment, because we're in exile. 86, David prays, draw near to me, your Messiah King, and help me in my life. 87, Yahweh loves his city, the birthplace of peoples and their joy. 88, the darkest of all Psalms, Psalm 88. Please hear my cry. As your happy one, hear my cry to you in my darkness and pain. 89, turn to 89. 89 is the last of book three of the exile. And 89, here's my summary of 89. After covenanting with David, how long, O God, will you reject David and reject your happy people while our enemies ridicule him? Okay, do you you feel the tension of Psalm 89? Psalm 89 is about the Davidic covenant, but they're in exile. It's like, God, you made this great promise, and where are we? In exile. You said David's going to rule forever. His house is going to rule forever. Where's our king? Where's the Davidic king? He's a prisoner in Babylon. So it's like, God, you made this sweet promise, but did you forget us? Where's the promise? Do you ever feel like that? 
You ever feel like God has promised you blessings in Christ and yet life is hard and the world around us is hard and it feels like God has forgotten you or forgotten his people? The psalmists understood that. And they were in exile and they said, God, what about your covenant? And that's the end of Psalm of book three, the exile and decline. Oh, okay, now, well, is there any hope? I mean, if, if we're in exile and decline, is there any hope for us while we're in decline, while, there's, while God seems to be absent, while it seems like God has forgotten us? Especially if we're the ones who failed, we're in exile because we failed. So if God's going to forgive us, we need someone to what? To, um, well, when someone prays for you, what do we call that? They do what for you? Intercede. We need someone to intercede for us. So you know how book four opens? Guess with who? Who, who, who wrote Psalm 90, the first Psalm of book four? Who wrote it? Look at your Bibles. Moses, the intercessor, right? When did Moses, Moses intercede? When they, when they worshiped the golden calf, what did Moses do? He interceded because they broke the covenant. And God was done with them. But Moses interceded. And so here again, God seems to be done with them. They're in exile in their sin. But here comes Moses again, from the dead almost, in his psalm. And he's praying, God, have mercy on us, your people. Have compassion on us, for we are oppressed. Okay, Psalm 91. Trust Yahweh and uh, to trust Yahweh to protect his happy ones who take refuge in him. 92, I thank Yahweh for his character and his works. The righteous will flourish fruitfully like trees, just like Psalm 1. Now, Psalm 93 to 99, here's the big hope when you're in exile. When life looks like everything's falling apart, always look up to God's throne and realize that Yahweh is king. Amen. When the world looks crazy around you, just know that in God's throne, there's perfect calm. There's peace. God's not panicking on his throne. He rules, right? Amen. And that's Psalm 93 to 99. So listen to these psalms, just as I do the one-sentence prayer. of Listen to God reigning on his throne. When our Davidic king is gone, God's still our king. 93, Yahweh reigns universally, and his testimonies are completely reliable. 94, Yahweh, our judge and refuge, judge the wicked who conspire against us, your happy people. 95, Worship Yahweh the king and listen receptively to his voice. 96, praise Yahweh the king of the earth. He is coming to judge the peoples. 97, praise Yahweh for his majestic reign as king. 98, praise Yahweh the conquering king for he is coming to judge. 99, King Yahweh reigns and reveals himself so worship him at his place. What's the point? When our king is gone, God is still king. And he is our hope. And so what's the response to that? Psalm 100. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving and into his courts with? Praise for the Lord is good. The Lord is good. So thank God for his goodness, Psalm 100. 101. Now 101 to 104 has a little four-part story just by itself. David wants to rule righteously, but there's a fall and affliction. But then God redeems David and his people, and then there's a new creation just like the story of the Bible. Now listen, so in 101, here's the prayer. Yahweh's Messiah King, God, your king will reign with integrity. I will reign righteously. Now, did David reign perfectly righteously, yes or no? No. No. So read Psalm 101 and be like, well, too bad, David. That's David's prayer. David, too bad you didn't do it. But there's a David who will do it, right? But that David didn't do it. So in Psalm 102, there's affliction and there's a prayer. So Psalm 102 is, hear my prayer for hope in my affliction, God. I thought there's supposed to be this hope in the end. Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms again. Praise Yahweh for his covenant love and redemption, says the Messiah King. So here's God. 
He's, king's supposed to reign well, doesn't reign well, affliction, but then God redeems his king and his people and forgives them. And so what's Psalm 104? Now, Psalm 104 is strange. Here, let me summarize it. Praise Yahweh for an orderly and beautiful creation. Praise Yahweh for a beautiful and orderly creation. And you think about it, and oh, as I think about it, I think, why is it perfectly ordered? Is creation perfectly ordered right now? Or is there any brokenness in our creation? There's brokenness, right? But Psalm 104 talks, praises God for creation as if it's all perfectly ordered. Why? Because there's a four-part story. The king was going to reign righteously, but he didn't. But God redeems them. And then now there's a new creation. That's the story of the Bible. By the way, as I'm looking at the time, we're going to do point three next week. Just so you know. Okay? We'll just get to point two and we'll be done for this week. Next week we'll talk about praising, pray, praying and pray, praising and praying with emotion. We'll do that next week. Okay, just so you don't panic here. All right, 105. Thank Yahweh for faithfully redeeming his Abrahamic offspring so that they keep his statutes. And then Psalm 106, turn to Psalm 106, the end here. Though we have sinned and are in exile, save us, your messianic people, and gather us from exile. All right. Brothers and sisters, you need to look up here. Let me show you again how this story fits, okay? I want you to see the story. It's my, that's my goal for the rest of the sermon for the last, you know, 10 minutes here. So here, in 105, it's Abraham until Moses. God promised Abraham something. Then Abraham had kids, raised the nation. They were redeemed. They were given the law covenant. All blessing. Praise God for that. That's Psalm 105. Give thanks to God for Abraham, for his work through Abraham all the way to Moses. Psalm 106, the last psalm of, the, of book four, it picks up from Moses and says, oh yeah, well, as the story continues with Moses, we disobeyed Moses. We went to the land. Did we obey God in the land? We disobeyed God in the land. And then we were, what, what happened to us in the land? We were what? Kicked out of the land. So 106 is saying, praise, 105 is praise God for all he did for us. 106, yeah, and we messed it up. So what's the end of 106, the prayer in 106 at the very end? Look at verse 40. Sorry, not 40. Um, yeah, 47. What's the prayer at the end of 106? Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from where? From the nations, so that we may give thanks to your holy name. Now, when were they, when were they in the nations? During the what? Exile. So book four ends with a prayer. We're in exile, and our prayer to you, God, is to gather us back. Bring us into that second redemption, right? That second Exodus redemption. Not Exodus from Egypt now, but Exodus from the nations. Bring us back to the land. Gather us from the nations, right? That's the end of book four. Now get this. Look at book five, the first three verses of book five. So 107. So book five is about the restoration and the celebration. Look at book five, the first psalm there. Psalm 107, verse one. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed, those redeemed out of Egypt, let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed us from the power of the foe. So he's redeemed us from Egypt, right? No, not just Egypt. Look at verse three. He has redeemed us from the power of the foe and has what? Gathered them from where? The lands. From where? And then read on from where? The east and the west and the north and the south. What is this? This is gathering from where? From exile. Book four ends with, we're in exile, gather us from the nations. 107 opens with, praise God, because he has what? Gathered us from the nations. He has accomplished his second redemption, his second exodus. So Psalm 107 begins with a bang of celebration. 
Thank God that even though we were in exile, God has redeemed us from exile. God is good. You think God's not good in your life with all the pain you're going through and all the suffering you're going through and all the suffering that your loved ones are going through? God is good. He has redeemed us from exile. He has saved us from our sins. Okay, so... So that's Psalm 107. It picks up right there. Now let me just summarize through here. 108, prayer, God, give your king salvation so that your happy people are rescued. 109, judge the wicked who attack your king and save your king. 110, Yahweh will make David's Lord, who's a priest king, victorious. 111, praise Yahweh among his people for his great covenantal redemption. 112, praise Yahweh for his happy people experiencing Yahweh's blessing. 113, praise Yahweh for his transcendence and simultaneous, uh, praise Yahweh for his transcendence and his imminent mercy to the poor and barren. 114, God redeemed Israel out of Egypt. 115, praise Yahweh, the God who blesses his happy people. 116, I praise and call on Yahweh because he hears me and saves me, his happy one. 117, the shortest chapter in the whole Bible. All ethnic people groups praise Yahweh for his covenant faithfulness. 118, I thank you and ask you to deliver me your happy man. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. Give me life according to your word, which is my delight. 120, God, rescue me from wicked people in my distress as your happy one. 121, God, I look to you alone for my help as my protector. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. We sang that one. We sang 121. 122, David prays, I, your Messiah King, love and pray for God's house in God's city, Jerusalem. 123, I lift my eyes to you, so show us, your happy people, your favor. 124, blessed be Yahweh who is on my side, the Messiah King, against the enemies of the king. 125, Yahweh's people will be freed from foreign kings. That's deliverance from exile. 126, we look back and we look forward and ask you once more to restore our people's fortunes. 127, God must, this is for families, households, God must build the house of the happy one. 128, the happy one is blessed by Yahweh with his people. 129, may all who oppose us fail. (laughs) 130, Hear us as we wait and watch for you as you graciously forgive us, your happy ones. 131, I calmly trust you. May Israel hope in you. That's I, your Messiah King, calmly trust you. 132, Yahweh, fulfill your promise to David and your resting place. 133, happy people live in harmony with your Messiah King and his people. Like oil from Aaron's beard. 134, may all you happy people bless Yahweh at night. 135, Bless and praise Yahweh for his creation, redemption, conquest, and supremacy over the nations and her idols. 136, thank God for his eternally faithful love. We're going to sing that today and next week. Aaron's going to close us with that song. 137, we lament in exile and ask you to remember our oppressors. Okay, so now they're going to do the final eight. These are David's last eight Psalms, and then it's the grand firework ending with 145 to 150, okay? So here's David's last eight, and then the final firework thing, okay? So here's, I'm not doing any fireworks here, though, just so you're aware. 138, David prays, thank you for exalting your name and your word to fulfill your purposes in your Messiah King and covenant 
among the nations. Now, this is interesting. If God's fulfilling his purpose in David, look, listen to 139, because 139 is one of my favorite, right? God knows all of our days. They're written in his book, but it's about David first. Listen to it from David's perspective. God, you know and ordain my life, and you, in, you, you know and ordain my life intimately to lead me, your Messiah King, in the eternal way. I guess a little bit of a different feel to Psalm 139, that God wrote all of David's days in his book before there was any one of them. And what does that mean for us taking refuge in him, right? 140. Rescue me, your Messiah King, and we will praise and dwell with you. 141. Protect your Messiah King from his own sins and temptations and protect him from hostile sinners. 142. Hear my cry and rescue your Messiah King so that I and your people can praise your name. 143. In your faithfulness, deliver your Messiah King from his enemies. 144. David, or 144. Uh, You have blessed your Messiah King, rescue me, and your happy people will arrive in their happy place. 145, David's last one. Yahweh's greatness in faithfulness to his Messiah King and covenant rings in praise, here it is, both now and for future generations. That's David's last words. God has redeemed his king and will will praise him now and for future generations. Now, 146 to 150 is the... Now, remember, at the end of every book, there was one... One sentence, hallelujah, blessed be God. Now, that's in books one through four. In book five, you get five hallelujah psalms. Praise Yahweh, praise Yahweh, praise Yahweh. So here it is, 146. Praise Yahweh for his compassion to his people. 147. Praise Yahweh for restoring his holy and happy nation from exile. 148. Praise Yahweh, all creation. He has raised up his Messiah King, resulting in his happy people's praise. 149, praise Yahweh. May his people celebrate and at the same time judge the wicked. And lastly, 150, let me read the whole psalm. It's not that long. It's only a few verses, but let me close with the full psalm. Hallelujah, praise Yahweh. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with trumpet blast. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. Praise Yahweh. The way I summarize Psalm 150, praise Yahweh with everything in his earthly and heavenly sanctuary. Those are the 150 Psalms. What do we take away from this? If we're to pray with the story, if we're to pray and praise in the midst of our opposition with the story in our mind, with the storyline, what does that mean? Here's, two, here's, here's, a, here's a few of my takeaways for you, and then we'll close. Pray and praise God with the Messiah King. That word with is the main idea. Pray and praise God with the Messiah King. Why do I say with him? Because how many of these are by the Messiah King? You know how many Psalms? There's 150 Psalms. 73 are from David. And so I noticed as I was reading through all the Psalms, David's the one praying, and I'm actually just praying with him. Or if Jesus is the ultimate Messiah King, Jesus is the one praying, and I'm the one praying with him. So as you pray to God, pray with Christ. Pray with the Messiah. Pray with the Messiah King. That's what the Psalms teach us to do, to pray with him. But secondly, pray and praise God in the Messiah King. I'm saying this as a new covenant Christian now. We are in Christ, right? 
So pray and praise God in Jesus' name. Why do, we every, why do we end every prayer with in Jesus' name? Because we're praying in Jesus' name. We're praying in the Messiah King's name. Because all of our prayers only go to God because we take refuge in the Messiah King. If we don't take refuge in the Messiah King, we perish, right? Pay homage or perish. So we pray and praise God in the Messiah King, in his name. So the, the takeaway here is, don't merely apply the Psalms directly to you. It's okay to do that. We had a funeral here yesterday. I read Psalm 23. And I was reading all the Psalms this week and I was thinking, oh no, they're not gonna think about the Messiah King as I read Psalm 23. That's okay. It's okay for you to read Psalm 23. The Lord is your shepherd, right? And he does watch over you. But just realize the reason why he's your shepherd is because he was the Messiah King shepherd. And he guided Jesus all the way to the cross and resurrection. And that's why he's your shepherd. Okay, so, so when you pray and praise, don't, don't merely, it's okay to directly apply the Psalms to you, but don't merely do that. Pray in the Messiah King's name and pray with the Messiah King when you praise him. So the application for the church members and the church family is know the story of the Bible, know the story of the Psalms and pray along that storyline. Where are we in the story? We're not quite, I mean, we're not during David's time. We're sort of in exile. The New Testament talks like we're in exile. First Peter says we're in exile, right? We're strangers and sojourners in this world. And so in a sense, we could pray book four and say, God, we're kind of in exile here. We're waiting for you to come back and bring your final reign. And then we're also, we're, so we're somewhere in book four and book five. In book five, we're looking forward to your second coming, Lord Jesus. Yet you already came, so we praise you for your death and resurrection. It is finished, and yet you're coming again. And so we celebrate and we praise and we thank you even as we look forward. So our lives as a church is somewhere in book four and book five though you should obviously read all of them. If you're not a Christian, here's my last call to you. God invites you into the story. He invites you to be part of his people so that you are part of the king's people and this story becomes your story of redemption. And these prayers and praises become your prayers of praises and and prayers because they are your king's prayers and praises. So I invite you to that. So to close, again, the main idea is pray and praise God and his king in the midst of opposition so that you live happy in God and his coming kingdom. And you do it by praying and praising in two ways. With focus on God's word and his king, and you pray with the story of the Bible and the story of the Psalms and the story of David in your heart and mind. Because this is your story. You're actually praying as you're part, partaking your place in the story. So, pray and praise God and his king in the midst of opposition thoughtfully, biblically, constantly and focused on Jesus. If you do not, you will drift farther from God in your prayers in the opposition. You'll, you'll drift farther from God when you can actually commune and enjoy him more. You will harden your heart in hypocrisy as you pretend to praise God all the day long, but you're not really praising him. And you will push others away from God because with your lack of communing with God, you will not commend God to others. But if you pray and praise God, with focus on his word and on his king. If you pray and praise God in the midst of your opposition with the story of our redemption in our hearts, you will draw close to him in your trials. You will feel more alive and more whole and more real in your relationship with God and others. And you will help others follow Jesus as they're attracted to pray and praise God like you are. This is my story. This is my song, praising my savior all the day long along the storyline, focused on Jesus, the King, with his word saturating our minds. Let's pray.
Father, we praise you for the book of Psalms. We thank you that you teach us how to pray. We thank you for your word that informs us on how to pray. That we can always go to you, God, no matter what we're going through. And we confess that we are going through hard times. Many of us are going through difficult situations. Some of us are celebrating going through a good season as well, and we ought to praise you. We thank you that you call us to pray and praise you with your word focused on your king as people in your story. And Lord, we thank you and praise you most of all for Jesus, the Messiah King, because David failed and Solomon failed and Israel failed and we have failed. We still fail, but we praise you for your Messiah King, your anointed one, your your Christ, your son, whom you have crucified and condemned and then raised and, and exalted. We praise you that we can take refuge in him and pay homage to him rather than perish. We pray that that would lead to praise and prayer all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.